Welcome to the Keeping the Nostalgia Live show, where we interview athletes, coaches, entertainers, artists, musicians, authors, and many more on both our podcast and YouTube channels. We discuss their upbringing, careers, and what they're doing today. We document the past so the future can remember. Please like, follow, subscribe, and share our programs. Got a guest you'd like to hear? Contact us and try and get them on the program. We have over 200 episodes recorded, so please enjoy. Stories can't be remembered unless they are told. Someone asked me one time how I get my guest ideas. It's easy. Those I've had memories of in my lifetime. In a weird sort of way, it brings closure to certain times in my life. A history major at Indiana State University, I feel it's my way of preserving history for future generations to remember. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the Keeping the Nostalgia Live show. I'm your host, Billy Powell. Uh, you can catch us, our audio podcast on anchor.fm backslash KTNA. That's anchor.fm backslash KTNA. The KTNA stands for Keeping the Nostalgia Alive. You can also, you're probably maybe even watching this on YouTube and our YouTube channel, which is the Keeping the Nostalgia Live show on YouTube. Uh, you can go through and see a bunch of videos on there. Also, we've had the likes of Kent Benson, Rick Mount, uh, Coach Gene Cady, uh, Coach Mike Woodson, um, uh, you name it, that's associated with the state of Indiana uh, and the game of basketball, which you can do six degrees of separation with any basketball player probably in the country to come bring it back full circle to the state of Indiana. But as you can see with us is longtime Milan head coach Randy Combs, 1981 Vincent's Lincoln Alice's. Yes, I said Alice's looked that up. One of the stranger, weirder and most unique uh, uh, mascots and team names. Uh, state champion 1981, Randy Combs. Randy, thanks for spending some time with us. Uh, apologize about uh, getting uh, connected there, started a new job, but uh, we appreciate you being here and uh, uh, sharing your uh, story. No, I appreciate you having me, Bill. It's always, I love, I could sit and talk Indiana basketball uh, and Indiana high school basketball all day from um, my upbringing. So uh, I'm really looking forward to getting a chance to talk with you. So tell us about a little bit where you tell everybody where you were born and raised uh, and who introduced you to the game of basketball and was basketball the first sport that you really kind of uh, hung on to? Well, um, my uh, dad was a uh, um, longtime uh, team physician for the Alice's and uh, I was born in Indianapolis and stand uh, Eagle, uh, Eagle Dale edition uh, right there in Speedway. You can stand in our front yard and see the back of the third turn uh, bleachers there, the Speedway. So um, anyway, uh, my dad was a basketball fanatic. Um, he didn't actually play high school basketball. He actually got cut from his high school basketball team when he was a freshman, but he uh, stayed involved with sports and uh, he played an active role with all my buddies. Uh, we had, we were the house that had the basketball go in the backyard and everybody hung out at him and uh, so that kind of got me started. And uh, uh, Vincent's YMCA, the old Vincent's YMCA was kind of legendary back in the day where everybody went to play. Um, I always tell the, the story. And uh, every time I run into coach uh, Sam Alford at, a, at an event, he always reminds me that my dad was Steve Alford's first basketball coach when he was uh, coaching at uh, South Knox in uh, Monroe City before then, I believe. And Steve was only a first grader. And uh, 
Sam and my dad snuck him into the third grade league to play with us. So um, I just grew growing up in Vincennes back in the day. That that's what you did. You you played basketball, and the Alice's had a rich tradition. Five and six years old with the '68 and '69 back-to-back Final Four visits for the Alice's. They were part of the '69 Final Four that only all three of the teams were undefeated. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the Alice's lost to Gary Collison, the one, the other team that had one defeat, I think, going in. So um, just, you know, the formative years in Vincennes, that's what you did. So that's kind of where my love for the game came from. And uh, I was fortunate to have a lot of buddies that shared the same interests. And that's just what you did. Where, how long did you live in Indianapolis? Uh, well, I was off and on in Indianapolis. We lived in Indianapolis till I was uh, four years old. My dad was uh, in the service uh, physician uh, and, uh, during the Vietnam War, uh, and we were we went from there down to uh, Fort uh, Polk down in uh, Louisiana, and we were there a couple years during his uh, service time, and then um, moved back to uh, moved back to Vincennes, and we were there till I was. Uh, 18, graduated from uh, Vincent's Lincoln in 81, went to Wabash College, and then I uh, lived in Indianapolis for six years before we relocated to Milan back in the early 90s. So I was in and out of Indianapolis a few times. Well, it's weird that you say Eagledale because uh, uh, I remember uh, my aunt's 1970 Nova, and I'd sit in the car while she'd go and shop at Wasson's, which was right there in Eagledale Plaza. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I drive back there. Uh, we lived at a pl- the address was for Digby Court. And it was yeah. uh, I, I can still remember even at that young age uh, living there. Yeah, sounds of May. Uh, yes, and I think there was a Zare in that uh, Eagledale Plaza. That's uh, oh yeah, yeah, I remember those. You, you tell anybody Zares today? They're like uh, yeah. Where? Who? What? No, no, it was a big yeah, Zare, store. Man. Zare went went the way of the three D. So. <laughs> yes. Uh, so uh, growing up playing basketball, take us take us a little bit to, you know, uh, uh, you know, did you play ba- basketball in elementary school. How, did, did, tell us the progression of the game of basketball on you up, up until you get to high school. Well, Vincent's had a uh, kind of a unique, uh, cool setup in that there are seven elementary schools and they all had. So there was a. Uh, it was competitive. It was uh, each elementary school had their own basketball team. And, and uh, during Coach Weinman's tenure, the policy, what you practiced on Tuesdays and Thursdays at your elementary, and then you played your games on Fridays after school. And parents weren't allowed to attend the games. So, uh, you know, we, you played a full league schedule with against the other elementaries. And then on the weekends, you would uh, hang out at the YMCA on, on Saturdays and or, uh, you know, go to somebody's house to play. So uh, that's, that's just what we did. And, uh, um, and then obviously the elementaries came together there at the junior high there. And, uh, and then since, you know, the unique thing about our junior high, you would think a school uh, with the tradition that Vincent has would have a heck of a junior high facility. Well, we still, we played in the same gym that I think the 1923 team played in with the, uh, um, balcony, you couldn't shoot from the corners, and we had a tile floor, and, and the floor was uh, significantly smaller than a regulation floor. Uh, you, you, we just didn't get to play in the Coliseum uh, there in Vincent. So, uh, 
um, that was you would you would think that we would have had a different facility, but um, that was uh, a unique experience to say the least. Playing your junior high basketball on the tile floor with the Falcons. Um, so, but we just had we had a unique situation in in our particular class there, the class of eighty one, where we probably had a group of anywhere from twenty five to thirty guys that just loved to play basketball. We uh, actually. One year, uh, I think it was after our eighth grade year, we uh, actually formed our own three-on-three -three league and, and played every day in the spring out at our out at our house there in Vincennes and turned into quite an ordeal. So it, it was it was a fun time. Coach Combs, can you tell us about the first time you met uh, uh, Gunnar Wyman and what was your what what was your thought process? <laughs> Coach Wyman. Uh, uh, if you, anybody that's seen a picture of Coach Weidman, you you look at him and you're instantaneously he kind of uh, portrays the image of being intimidating. Just he had that look about him, and uh, um, so in Vincennes, you had the the program had uh, what they called the Saturday morning basketball clinics. So the elementary players you could go to that it's nine o'clock in the morning every Saturday at the Coliseum and coach Wyman and the basketball staff they would work on fundamentals and um, so you know I can remember you know first going to that when I was in like the second grade and that was when I first actually met him and, uh, you did what coach Wyman said and there were no ifs ands or buts or questions the way it was and had that uh, um had that aura about him um but once you really got to know him and uh it, it he wasn't as intimidating but uh I, I always tell the story uh courtney witty who was a teammate of mine that um courtney played at indiana and spent a lot of years working in the nba uh, we all got together one summer and we were probably in our mid-30s and down to see coach when he was uh, living down at Kentucky Lake, which is where he went when after he left Vincennes and retired. And uh, Courtney made the mistake of calling Coach Gunner. <laughs> and, uh, coach quickly said, "You will call me Coach Wyman." <laughs> so that was that was the kind of the way the way it, he was. Uh, but if you were loyal to him, he was. Uh, loyal right back and that, that was the that was the secret i think to our team's success you know i think i always put uh, uh coach wyman and uh the broadical basketball coach who i played underneath coach bill smith and kind of that same category um just both you know uh demanded respect and would do anything for you um uh in the future and and everything else but uh i i just um it just Ah, oh, geez. Uh, so, um, what about the first time, and what was the first game? Do you remember the first game you saw? And tell us about the aura of uh, uh, Adams Coliseum. Well, Adams Coliseum, um, I I can remember. You know, my dad told stories about going to the games, and everybody. You, know, you had festival seating. Um, if you didn't weren't lucky enough to be a chair seat season ticket holder, um, and uh, you would he grabbed my arm and we'd run to run in to get a seat and there were uh, uh i remember going it was in the early 70s i think they were playing indianapolis uh, i think it was short ridge 
And I know I remember uh, this was uh, Vincent's team that went to the semi-state that year and uh, Arrowhead North. But I remember Vincent's being behind by, I don't know, 17 points in the, in the second half. And uh, uh, the Vincent's players took an elbow. Potential or not, I don't remember, but I just remember the whole aura of the game changing and the crowd just going crazy and, and Dallas has stormed back and won the game. And I just remember the place shaking and it would shake when it was full. And there were big exhaust fans at the top. And if you were lucky enough to sit by one of the exhaust fans, you could pound on those things. They made a heck of a racket. That, that was that was that was always a nice place to sit if you're a young, youngster sitting up there by the exhaust fans because you could pound on those things all night and make all the noise you wanted, and it was really just it was a neat place to play. Um, so we got to play there in 1984. And what is the idea uh, with? Is it a little bit of a home court advantage having the opposing team sit on the end of the baseline? You know, that, that's an inter I've always wondered about that. Um, you know, I coached a, in a few games where you had to sit at the end, and I never never really liked it. Um, one year we played, in 99, we played Muncie Central at, at the Knightstown gym, and you had to sit at the end. And then there we had, I remember, uh, I believe, uh, maybe even uh, uh, the Wigwam at one time in Anderson, they might have sat at the end. I, 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 I don't really know why that was the case. Sometimes, you know, at times I wondered it was that way Coach Weinman could be in the ear of the trail official. Um, I know, you know, it, it's tough to, I remember, you know, as a coach, and I'm sure it's the same for Coach Weinman, is being able to, you know, when the game's being played on the other end, um, do you communicate with the player? So I, um, I can remember, you know, some teams wouldn't sit on the end. They would sit on the side. Uh, specifically, I remember, and uh, in, in it was during the 81 season, we played Indianapolis-Washington. And uh, Indianapolis-Washington had an outstanding team. They had John Sherman-Williams and uh, Ricky Johnson and Darren Fitzgerald, and uh, they were really, really good. And uh, they were coached by Basil Sopredo. And Basil is a Knox County native. And Basil wasn't going to sit on the end of the gym at the Coliseum. They sat on the side. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know that, what, what the story was behind that. It was more, you know, it was, whether it was tradition or for the coach to get in the trail official, I don't know, because there, there was space. You could sit on the side. You know, when you got the, the nucleus of your 1981 state championship team, when you guys, you know, uh, played together for so long before even getting to high school, once you got into high, once you got into high school at Vincennes Lincoln, did you guys have an idea that you, you did uh, was it a, of course it was a it's always a dream of a kid in uh, Indiana to win a state championship but or in some cases even if you won a sectional you you it was almost like winning a state championship uh, but did you have an idea of uh, how good of a team that you guys had well um it, there was a lot that went into the formative process and a big part of it was you know coach Wyman knew what he was doing He'd been to the final four three times before. And uh, it was uh, it was a process that he'd kind of put in motion when we were our sophomore year and uh, where he moved. Uh, and he caught a lot of grief over it. Um, moved, you know, cut, cut some kids from the program uh, and uh, moved up a lot of us as sophomores. And 
Um, so, and then coupled to the fact that we had some parents going up through uh, that exposed us, we went up when we were in junior high and played uh, at Municipal Gardens and the Red Taylor teams. And, and, uh, and we played those guys and they actually came down and Red brought his team down and we played at Vilas Gym there at Vincent University when we were in the eighth grade. And we actually won, beat them one time. And, you know, and a couple of our parents took us, entered us in the state AU tournament and took us up. We played at uh, Gary, at Gary Lou Wallace when we were in the eighth grade. And uh, that was, a, you know, you know we, we, uh, we got exposed to a lot of uh, good, you know, comp, comp uh, competitive basketball in the formative years and then you couple that to coach Wyman knowing what the heck he was doing um, you know, we had a blip in the season where as coach said we started reading the newspapers and we lost two games in a row and he uh, made some changes and uh, and uh, it, we went on from there but uh, it was just a combination of a group of guys that were committed and uh, coach that knew what the heck he was doing was uh, the Adams Coliseum pretty much sold out every game that year? Well, um, initially, no. But uh, from the Indianapolis-Washington game on, that was the first time that I could remember being seeing the Coliseum full. <laughs> and and I, I revert back to this game a lot, just a couple of things um, that happened. Uh, we'd always heard about... Uh, John Sherman Williams' ability to dunk the ball, and Coliseum uh, was full, and uh, they ran a Indianapolis Washington ran a play off the tip, and uh, they caught the ball at the top of the key, threw it up, just threw it up in the air, and here he came from the wing and just jammed it. And I've never heard uh, fifty hundred people silent. <laughs> we thought, oh boy, here we go, we're in trouble. But uh, we ended up winning that game by seven points. I always tell you, you're asking about Coach Wyman, what he was like. And uh, that particular game, Carl Donovan, who won the Trestor Award in 1981, did not uh, get to play in that game because of an ankle injury. And we had a sophomore uh, named Robin Talbot, who was really a good player, about 6'3", really athletic. And um, they're on the bench next to Coach and uh, – we're uh, shooting a free throw and we miss and, and Robin elevates up and taps it in. And uh, coach looks at me and goes, that's why he's playing and you're not. Oh, that, that was, uh, you know, that's kind of, uh, but th from that point on, uh, the Coliseum was pretty full the rest of that season. And, and after that, I mean, the tradition that Gene Miller, you know, carried with the Alice's coach uh, retired, um, you know, the, Vince, that area of the state, that, that small area right there, had a period of time there in the early 80s that was pretty amazing because you had uh, our team in 81, and then you had Ron Felling's Lawrenceville Indian teams right across the river in 82 and 83 that won two back-to-back -back state championships in Illinois. And then the 84 Vincennes team uh, was state runner-up. Um, Paul Hendrickson hits a little baseline shot there at the end. Uh, you know, it could have been a different story in that game. And then uh, Vincent's University, I think, finished third in the NJCAA tournament in that spell. So right there, that four-year period of time, basketball in that area was pretty, pretty good. You know, uh, speaking of Indianapolis, Washington, John Sherman Williams had a very intimidating game, but he is the nicest person on the planet. 
Oh yes, yeah, I've heard, I've heard that. Uh, ironically, one of my former players here at Milan is actually dating his daughter right now. So, <laughs> oh, like you said, there's a six, you know, a small degree of separation there. That hurts another example. Uh, take us through that state tournament uh, run. Was there well, a game? Was there a game where you thought that you know uh, we wouldn't sit in here be talking? Wouldn't be sitting here talking about uh, you know Vincent's Lincoln Alice's nineteen eighty one state champions? There's uh, you know I was uh, from from my standpoint in in my role I was I was just good enough to be on the team and just smart enough to realize that uh, I better bust my tail because we were going to win with me or without me. So. Um, but, uh, um, you know, there's all kinds of scenarios through the, probably the first game of the regional. Um, we're playing Evansville Central, who had a very good team, and we had whipped on them pretty good at the Coliseum uh, earlier in the season. And uh, we were actually down uh, seven points uh, in the third quarter. And uh, they had a nice player, uh, Derek Lindauer, just uh, – the ball and slammed it and uh, you know they they were on a they were on a roll well we're shooting a, a free throw and we and we miss and robin who i mentioned sophomore on our team you know uh, kind of went for the rebound and did it miraculously went in the basket and uh all of a sudden you know it, it kind of turned the tide and um that was a game where we were really kind of struggling uh in the early part of the tournament and Doug Crook, who was, uh, you know, an Indiana All-Star and was just an outstanding player, uh, played at Eastern Illinois, had a heck of a career there. Um, but Doug would, in the state tournament in the fourth quarter, he was just a money player. And uh, um, we ended up winning that game going away in the fourth quarter. Uh, Mount Vernon down by Evansville had a really nice team um, that we had not, we, we couldn't beat. We didn't beat them until our senior year. They had beaten us all the way through. And uh, we, again, we uh, kind of ran away, you know, in the fourth quarter in that game, uh, tight games throughout. Uh, Brazil, who we needed to send a big thank you note to because they beat Terre Haute South. And Terre Haute South was a group that we could never beat. And they upset Terre Haute South and the uh, Terre Haute Regional. And, um, Play them first game of the semi-state, another tight game to the fourth quarter. And Floyd Central was probably the best, one of the best games we played. They had Larry Schellenberg, who was an Indian all-star, and um, they uh, beat Lagodi in the afternoon game of the semi-state that year. And we played really well in that game. And, um, but uh, the, the thing I most remember about that whole season was that time where I mentioned we lost two games in a row and we had a uh, come to Jesus meeting on, on Monday after a Friday, Friday lost actually to Bar Reeve. So, um, you know, don't ask me about class basketball. <laughs> we won a state championship and didn't beat a, you know, Bar a heck of a program that uh, lost to a tiny school that year. Um, but anyway, um, but uh, from that point on, from those two losses on, um, it was Gunner, you could tell that Coach Weinman was on a mission, and uh, he uh, minimized distractions, and things went you know, went from there. Now, in that that year, kind of a unique, unique part about the state finals, um, 
we were the only ranked team that was left. Uh, not that rankings mean a whole heck of a lot, but Shenandoah was unranked and they kind of was a dark, were a dark horse coming out of the Indianapolis semi-state. And, um, Warsaw uh, was not expected to come out of their semi-state that year. And, um, and then Anderson, I think, was actually even 10 and 10 going into the state tournament that year and all juniors. And uh, they actually got beaten the sectional, I think, the next year in 82, which is kind of the way Indiana basketball works sometimes. So what was what, what was the final what was the final four experience like? How did how did uh, Coach Wyman um, uh, <laughs> kind of did he sequester you guys? How what was the preparation <laughs> for that? Oh, yeah. Coach. Uh, yeah, it was um, I, like I said, I think Coach had learned a lot from his previous three trips. Um, I think he had the school rent the uh, whole uh, 18th floor of the Hilton downtown Indianapolis there by Market Square Arena so that there wouldn't be anybody around us. Um, and uh, he kind of knew, uh, it was funny at the uh, banquet uh, the day before on that Friday, you know, when all the schools go up and you get to practice and then they had a banquet with all the four, final four teams and coach kind of, uh, um, everybody was real serious in his, uh, in their assessment of where they were. And coach pretty much let his sense of humor come out and kind of, loosened everybody up during his uh, interview process there all got to witness and got some good laughs in he had a, he did a good job of figuring out when it was time to focus and when it was time you know that we needed to loosen up a little bit so um he uh um yeah he kept us i mean there were more on more than one occasion during the state tournament run where uh just another example of how he had everything lined up if uh if we had a team meal planned and the meal wasn't exactly the cooked the way that was supposed to be cooked and didn't have exactly the right combination of what we were supposed to have, it got sent back. <laughs> it happened more than once. So he had every little detail worked out. You know, you're, you're a, you love the game of basketball uh, and there's some that have a, a different passion levels for it. Um, did you kind of soak everything up uh, while you were at Vincennes and uh, you know, you, there, there are times there's, there's stuff that you can remember that other players on the team can't remember, but it's just because of your love and passion for the game that you remember what coach said, you remember a particular play in the game of the game. And, um, uh, and I'm leading toward what were your memories during that final four? Did it go by so quick that, some of those memories are gone now, or did you soak them in and you can still um, uh, remember it like it was yesterday? Well, I can, um, I can remember, uh, you know, different scenarios during the, each of the all games. Um, you know, Shenandoah had a, had a heck of a player in Scott Hetty, who's, you know, had a heck of a coaching career and uh, he was a really, you know, an outstanding guard. And uh, we had a senior on our team named Jeff Agee, who uh, um, was a starter up until we lost those two games. You know, what people don't realize, um, we had our uh, off guard was a junior player named Tim Veek. And uh, Tim had a, um, was actually a silver anniversary team member for, uh, uh, he graduated in 82, 2007 silver anniversary team member. And he only played varsity basketball his junior year, probably 
us the last five or six regular season games and then obviously through the tournament. Um, and he had a heck of a career at DePaul University. Uh, but uh, I can remember Jeff coming in off the bench and playing, you know, some, you know, playing the heady kid, you know, real strong defensively. And, and then he hit some, hit some shots uh, that was big and blowing that game open for us. And I, I know uh, um, against Anderson that night, every time Anderson make a run, you know, we, we were just able to hang on. They never really, they never got the lead, but it got the closest the game was, was the final score, you know, two points there at the end. Um, and I can remember sitting down, you know, being there on the, uh, and this is, and this is a credit to coach. I can sit in there. I remember and down there on the uh, market square arena floor after the game was over and thinking about what do we do now? You know, I can, you know, it just it was over just like that. It, it, we didn't, we weren't thinking about what was next, just step by step. Um, and, I, and that's the way coach kind of had it set up. That's a, he did a heck of a job of keeping us focused on what we needed to focus. What was it like going back down to Vincennes after you guys were state champions? <laughs> I tell people this story with uh, Coach Wyman. Um, we had a heck of a principal uh, who did a lot for school spirit and uh, um, named Jim Pittman, who he just recently passed. Uh, but uh, I, I can remember being in the lobby there at the uh, Hilton in Indianapolis and Coach Pittman or Mr. Pittman coming up to Coach Wyman and telling Coach, that, well, we've got a pep session like Planned for 11 o'clock back at the Coliseum in Vincennes. We need you to be there. And coach looked at Mr. Pittman and goes, we just won the state championship. We're going to be there when we damn well please. <laughs> I think we got there about 3.30 or 4 o'clock. But, you know, we did all the, the cool stuff. Um, we went around, you know, like what the 54 Milan team did, went around the Monument Circle after winning and the horns honking. And, you know, when we did the fire truck, which was well, for a 17, 18-year-old kid. It's pretty cool deal. What did you take? What was Coach Wyman like with referees? <laughs> um, you know, I don't remember him ever getting a technical foul. Um, now, I'm sure he got some over the years, uh, and I was probably watching the games when it happened, but I just don't ever remember him doing getting that i mean he was if if he needed to make a point he made his point but he wasn't one that would go on tirades and wouldn't get his point made and then he'd get back to coaching so i think that's one of the things that i you know that i learned from him is you know with officials uh um you don't uh i i never felt like it was my role to give up points you know the, the players are going to determine the I wasn't going to be there. I probably learned that from him. So as, as intimidating a personality as he could portray at times, he wasn't a big rant or raver about the referees. Now, unless maybe we're at Jasper. Now, speaking of Jasper, I had Coach Michael Lewis on from Ball State University, and I just, just brought up, I said, you know, there's this uh, Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame coach who's tombstone says and he goes i know i know it's there i know it's there but i know my record against vincennes lincoln so can you give us a little bit more about that 
his well, tombstone. It's, it's it's interesting. Uh, Coach was proud of that because he had it made long, obviously, before he passed, and he had it on display at his place there at Kentucky Lake. And uh, I'm not sure exactly what the details of the story are. Uh, a few of our his assistant coaches over the years could probably elaborate on it a little more, but. I can remember going to watch Vincennes play Jasper in the early 70s. And uh, it was in the old gym there at Jasper. And uh, Vincennes had a really good team. I think it might even have been the year that we had a Sweet 16 team. And Jasper just beat the daylights out of Vincennes that night. And I think Coach had a little exception to the rest of that evening. So I think from that, at that point, Vincennes quit playing Jasper. Now I know. Coach had uh, intense rivalry with Jasper when he was coaching at Tell City as well. So that was there was some carryover. Well, they formed the Big Eight Conference. The first year was uh, the 79-80 season. And Jasper, so Vincennes and Jasper had to renew their rivalry. And this is, this is another uh, Coach Wyman story that's a pretty good one. We get to Jasper playing at Jasper. This is our junior year. And Courtney Whitty, who was our center, had forgot his uniform. Um, now, nowadays, you know, coach would, uh, you know, you're not playing. So obviously you're not. Well, Courtney was going to play against Jasper. We were not going to lose to Jasper. Um, so we had a manager on our, or, well, he was a JV player at the time. He was a manager our senior year. And John Lackey wore the same number as Courtney. So, Courtney wore John's JV uniform in the varsity game. And I think Courtney scored, I mean, he might've had 25 points and 20 rebounds, just had a heck of a game. I can remember being in the locker room after the game and coach getting the uniform back from Courtney and taking it over to John and giving it to John said, here, John, that's the last time this uniform is gonna score 25 points and get 20 rebounds. So that was <laughs> kind of a typical you know, coach, but uh, yeah. Um, and then the next year, Jasper had a really good, they were in the, um, they won their sectional that year. They had a player named Mike Ballinger who was in our class, uh, was an Indiana All-Star. And uh, we we just, we had a guy on our team, Ron Straczynski, who was a really, real good athlete defender. And he, we're always lucky the other team, best player Ron could match up with. And he took care of a lot of that defensively for us. Um, but the coach did not sub much against Jasper. And I, and I know our senior year, Doug Brooks scored 38 against them at the Coliseum, and we beat them pretty – I mean, it might have been over 30 points that night. Coach uh, took advantage of his last two times getting to play Jasper, and um, he, he, he enjoyed that. I think he enjoyed that more than coaching the Indiana All-Star that team that year against Kentucky, which was really a big thing for and from Kentucky originally. So you've won the state championship. Is there a, uh, was there a, did you always want to go to Wabash or how was your college choice, college choice. made? Well, it's, it's interesting. Um, my uh, dad had attended Wabash for a year and he uh, uh, basically because of financial reasons, he, he had to leave. But uh, he, he thought, he told me, he said, if, He'd always told me, he said, if he could have stayed at Wabash all four years, he would have. And plus, Wabash was a, a place where uh, 
you know, I could still be involved in, and still had a chance to play basketball. And I also played football as well. So I did, I played both sports my freshman year and then I stayed in basketball a couple more years um, with, uh, for Mac, Mac Petty, which was, a, which was a great experience. I actually, I got to sit on the sidelines and watch Wabash win the 82 national championship team national championship when we had Pete Metzelars who uh, was a man among boys at the division three level and was a heck of a basketball player and, uh, he played in the NFL a long time the tight end coming from coming out of Wabash so that was that was a neat experience but it was a chance uh, you know my the my dad's experience and uh, plus the you know I could still stay involved with athletics so that was that was the big draw and uh, it's experience. I would, one of the best decisions I ever made was going to Wabash. When did the idea, when did you want, when did the idea creep into your mind that, you know, I, I love this game so much, you know, I, I think I want to coach. Well, um, that was always uh, kind of a, uh, my, my brother and I uh, were, uh, we kind of screwed up the Combs, uh, the, the family legacy. We had all the generations, our, our family were, were doctors. <laughs> so uh, um, we, uh, of course, um, that's what I said I was going to do. But uh, something about, uh, I think I got my first biology test back at Wabash, and I thought, I don't think I'm going to be going to medical school. <laughs> anyway, um, but no, I just loved it. Uh, and it was obviously the influence of the coaches that I had going through at all the levels. And I thought, you know, this is something that I really, I know I enjoy doing. I've been blessed um, playing for Coach Wyman. I had some outstanding assistant coaches there at Vincennes. Uh, Steve Brett was in, was an assistant there. You know, he's a Hall of Fame coach. Uh, we had great, Roger Benson was a great, great coach there as well. Um, I worked for Ron Henricks, who helped at Wabash now at Southmont. Coming, you know, when I was still in college, I actually coached the freshman team at Southmont when I was no longer playing basketball because I knew I wanted to coach. I got to coach with Cliff Hawkins, who's had a heck of a career. Larry Angle, who's had a heck of a career. Um, I helped Gene Miller with in his summer program at Vincennes when I knew I wanted to coach, and he's obviously one of the best coaches you know that the state has ever had, and. Um, just being around those those kinds of people growing up, I thought it, it was going to be a really neat thing to be able to do that. And couple the fact that I got a chance to coach at Milan, what um, I can stand in my front yard and I can see the skyline of Pierceville. <laughs> so it's kind of a kind of a neat thing to have been part of all that. What was that journey like getting the job at Milan? Well, it's interesting. Um, I, uh, my uh, freshman coach at Vincennes was a guy named Kelly Simpson, and he was, uh, uh, he had been the coach at Milan. He was a assistant uh, principal at, at Milan at the time. And when the, the job opened, I had not applied for it, but he called and encouraged me to apply for it. They, um, they weren't, uh, they hadn't been very successful to say the least. Um, and, uh, but uh, coming down there, my wife, you know, it took a commitment from my wife. We were living in Indianapolis and 
you know, to move down to Milan. We just had our son, though he's only one year old. And so it was kind of a nice chance to go down and uh, uh, get away from the city, focus on your family and, and getting your coaching career started. And first, I always tell my wife, I laugh, the first time we played uh, Batesville, Batesville had a guard named Michael Mincer, who everybody knows about. <laughs> and I, but I still remember losing to that. They beat us. I think the score was 84 to 35. And I got home that night and I looked at my wife. I said, what were we thinking coming down here? But uh, um, we got busy, uh, uh, got busy with the feeder program and, and we got the thing turned around. And, um, you know, we, we had a good run there from 99 to 04 uh, with some really, with some good teams. And it, it was, it was neat. This is going to be an interesting question, or I'd I'd like your comments on, you know, with the success, of course, of them winning in 1954, uh, Bobby Plump and the movie Hoosiers and, and all of that, and just the story and, you know, one of the uh, best sports movies ever made, according to a lot of people, was there, it doesn't, my perception is, and I'd like to know what the reality is. The perception, were, were people in Milan kind of just happy with that? What, I mean, what, what, because, you know, in some schools, it's like you, you have to, you have to have a winner every year or nobody's happy. Well, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, in all honesty, there was probably, when, when I first got here, I, uh, there was a sense of some resentment uh, um, in the, the constant, reference to the 53 and 54 run uh, just because the program at that point in time had gone through such an extended period of time where they just weren't successful and you're starting to come into the anniversary times uh, you know the 25th anniversary the 30th anniversary so on and so forth and uh, uh, and it was like well you know now Milan's not you know they're just not very good and uh but yet they won the you know so there was a little bit of resentment now you know my philosophy was and i think being a part of a state championship myself was you you know how can you make how can something that is such a a corner you know such a perfect example of uh accomplishment how can that be a negative so you you know you had to you had to know it was there but then you had to take what you know the group that you were with and and uh kind of um you know i just focused on the group that i the groups that i had and uh and then that part then was a positive to you know be exposed to it be a part of it opposed to something that you had to live up to i think uh that there's kind of a trade-off there you know living up to something or and then having your own identity so to speak um, so, you know, I tried to make uh, being associated with that a positive, and 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 I, I can tell you numerous examples of players that I've had that have gone for job interviews or sent, submitted applications, and they see that they're from Milan, and suddenly, oh, you know, and and, and it it is a positive uh, link for, for us, I think. And uh, um, I was never intimidated by that um, 
you know, that aura that came with it, just, I think, because of where I came from. So, Where did your love for cars come from? And am, am I correct in that? <laughs> Good. Yeah. Well, Bill, when you grew up in Vincennes in the late 70s and 80s, early 80s, uh, if you weren't a, a muscle car enthusiast, you were uh, uh, out of place. And so, I mean, Friday and Saturday night in Vincennes was... The Sixth Street there was uh, lined with, uh, you know, muscle cars from one end of the one end of the other. Something out of one of those, uh, you know, American graffiti movies. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where it came from. You know, I was, I, I and I, uh, my wife let me for my fortieth birthday. I actually uh, bought a. Uh, she let me buy a, a, a Grand Am, and I've been working on it it's kind of a nice hobby to have so it's uh that's kind of where it, it grew from. you know it's interesting it's interesting that they they say you know every once in a while you should google yourself i don't google myself but of course of course just for the heck of it sometimes i'll google who i'm going to have on oh my program. sure sure and i and i saw all these trans i was like is this the same guy yeah yeah oh yeah and i told my i uh i i have a little i have a business where i work with um, restoration on a, on, a, on a part on those that I'm the only one in the world that does it, and uh, so I, I it, it could it, it's going to be a full time gig for me now that I'm retired, and uh, um, so yeah, I, and I talked to those guys, and they, oh, you ever see the movie Hoosiers? You know, and, and, and oh yeah, I mean, and so that kind of leads into a little deeper conversation. Besides, you know where they bought their car and what they're doing to the engine and <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's kind of a unique combination. <laughs> Six degrees of separation, man, just like exactly. I said at the beginning oh, of yeah. the show. Yeah, I got to meet Burt Reynolds and uh, got done a lot of cool stuff with it, so it's, it's fun. That's very cool. Uh, Coach, what was it uh, uh, hard to uh, hang up the um, the – the tennis shoes when it was uh, time to uh, retire from coaching, did you, uh, is it something you wanted to do? Could you have stayed a little bit longer? Uh, you, you wanted to get to fishing and you wanted to get to cars. Um, well, um, Bill, I, we've, we kind of had a uh, unique uh, challenge this, this particular year. Um, you know, my uh, greatest assets been my wife and their support of coaching and got uh, diagnosed with leukemia in, in July. And, uh, treatment was going really well and it compromised her immune system and she got COVID. And so we basically spent from January to the middle of May, you know, Christ Hospital in Indianapolis. Um, so um, she fought the, fought the fight and she's home now and we're working on rehab. So that kind of set up my retirement uh, so I could be home to take care of her. We also, we have an autistic son all the time. So it was just a combination of those things um, that necessitated it. And we, we were having a rough year, but I tell you what, and, and I had a few rough years. And that's just the nature of small school coaching, I think, in some places. But, uh, um, I was enjoying it. I had great kids, and uh, it kind of got me out. You know, I necessitated a little earlier retirement, and I envision now. With that being said, um, you know, we've, we've hired a – ambitious new young coach here that I'm anxious to 
talk to and see how, you know, see how he goes about things. And I can see myself down the road helping him out with the younger kids, which I really, really like. Uh, so, I, you know, I enjoy that part of it, you know, um, so I can see myself continuing in some capacity down the road in the program. So we're not going anywhere. We really like it here. Um, tell me your opinion on the class basketball. I know you weren't earlier, but I want to know. I ask you know, everybody this. Sure, sure. Um, everybody's perspective on things is based on their own experience. And I'm going to, uh, first question you have to ask, and I think the elephant in the room is, is it a better tournament? I don't think it is. Now, for somebody that's, uh, you know, that class basketball has suddenly created a, you know, a, a uh, successful tradition in their basketball program, you know, well, their perspective, their feeling, answer that question might be different. There's still a lot of small schools out there that have not won a sectional. Even in the um, my argument is centered in a couple areas. One, here at Milan, we were in a sectional in the single class system that was winnable. Um, in a couple of years when we did win sectionals, we did not win sectionals. I would argue that our small class A or class 2A sectional was more challenging than the single class sectional would have been. So my perspective from my experience based on that. Now, go back to growing up. <laughs> I always tell this story. I've got, there's a few people here in Milan that are actually uh, uh, from over around Knox County. South Knox, big used to be a big rival of Vincennes back during the single class days. Um, and there were years when they had some nice teams. Back in the mid seventies, South Knox won the sectional two years in a row. They were coached by Dave Luking who played for coach Wyman at Dell City on his final four team. Uh, coach Luking, I know went on to coach at Austin, took Austin to the sweet 16, good coach. Well, maybe Vincennes won the sectional two, two years in a row. South Knox fired him. <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyway, then, like I reiterated my experience, we lost to Bar-Reeve during our state championship season. And now Bar-Reeve, obviously, an outstanding small school program, uh, is to this day. They were then. Also, I was... In, you know, Vincennes is close to Ligoti. Look at the best Ligoti has had. Um, so, you know, my perspective growing up and playing in the single class tournament, seeing what small schools can do, um, I'm just not a proponent of it. And I don't think it's a better tournament. Now, my perspective is different than others. And I, everybody has their opinion. I, it saddens me. Uh, there, there will never be a return because the kids nowadays, they don't, they can't even fathom what the single class tournament was like. I have kids, you know, I had kids in my classroom at school that couldn't tell me who Bob Knight was. So that's just, you know, that's bad. That's how, that's how dumb, I guess. So. How much do you like to fish? I love it. I, uh, <laughs> we, uh, 
we actually, I actually live here on a small lake here, right outside of Milan. So I'm about 50 steps from a pontoon and a, and a, and a line in the water. I've, uh, I, growing up, and Doug, Doug Crook and I still, about every year we, we go, we drive to Canada and do a fly-in on the boat plane fishing trip. Really, you know, we enjoy that. And, and Coach Wyman was a big fisherman. I, I always tell everybody you haven't experienced life till you've um, gone fishing on Kentucky Lake with Coach Wyman and it's cut off blue jeans, no shirt, playing opera music. So, Randy, are you, are you in that photo when you guys are on the boat there that I've seen? Yeah, yeah, on top of the houseboat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we'd always, we'd go down... Uh, and spend spend time with coach in the summer quite a bit and we that was one of the things we do we'd always so i feel like we've only touched the ice the tip of the iceberg i i think we should have either a another show or be a round table with some of the uh other teammates from your 81 state championship but randy combs uh we went a little bit long uh, I think we need to do another show. I don't know if you'd be up for one, but uh, I appreciate your time. Well, it's ironic. Doug uh, Crook was going to, he was supposed to come down today. We were going to go fishing and he owns a couple of restaurants in, uh, in, in one in Indianapolis there on the canal. And, and then he's got one down in Brown County there in Nashville. He was going to come down today and we were going to go fishing. And I was going to, I was going to ask you if you want to talk to him too, because since he was going to be here, but he had, yeah, two ice machines go down, so he's driving around Indianapolis today trying to figure out how to get those fixed so he can get open back up tomorrow. Yeah, those, they would, uh, they would, uh, they would enjoy that. I guarantee it. So we, you know, it was, the, and we had some good, you know, some good personalities. So a lot of fun. Coach Combs, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, Bill. Thanks for keeping the nostalgia alive. It was, it was great talking with you.